you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of California Underground. I'm your host, Phil. Today, I have a very special guest, someone who I look up to as a great political mind in California. I get a lot of great ideas, a lot of great information from her. And she also happens to be running for Congress. Uh, Tamika Hamilton running for the 3rd Congressional District here in California. Tamika, how are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me on, Phil. I really appreciate it. No problem. So I guess we'll We'll jump right into it and get started with a little bit of like introduction about your background um, leading up to what kind of inspired you to run for Congress. Okay. Um, yeah. So I have no, I had no political background. I wasn't recruited. Uh, like there's some people that get into this and they're recruited and they go to school and do all this training. Um, I actually was just sitting at a kitchen table with my friends almost four years ago now. And we were just talking about everything that was happening here in California and how we wanted to get involved and do something. And, and my thing was just like, you know, we have to, you know, go to the city council meetings and, you know, do all the things from a local level to see what, what we could do. And I did not see in my heart, I was just like, I just don't see how I can be effective here. Not saying that I couldn't be, but I just did not see how I could have been effective that in that level. It's just so much going on. And I can get into that another day or another time we talk. But, um, and my friends were like, Tamika, you need to go to Congress. And I was like, no. I was like, oh my gosh. And then it clicked and I tried to ignore it for like six months. Uh, cause I was still doing like the town hall stuff. I was still, cause we were like, this Northern California is very robust. It's like people are involved, you know, and they go to these meetings and it's packed. And, um, but I just didn't feel like that was the right spot for me. So, I just started making phone calls to, um, cause I was like, okay, I need some wisdom. I don't even know where to begin. And so I started uh, looking for uh, Republican clubs and that's how I found out about central committees and every every district, um, has a central committee and some districts have one because they have one County. I have eight because I have eight counties. Um, I have Solano, Yolo, Yuba, Lakeland, Sutter, Calusa, and a sliver of West Sacramento. And so, um, I had to travel around this district and I put a hundred thousand miles in my car after two years were after the two years was, and, um, getting to know the people going to every single shindig you could ever think of five people in a room. It's still five people in a room and those five people can tell five people, but it wasn't something that I thought I literally went into this just with, with, with my eyes just like, oh my gosh, like I, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought it was going to be totally different. I thought it was going to be like this thing where, you know, I was immediately like brought into the fold and I, and it didn't happen like that. It was very much like you I was a, an outsider coming into something that was already established. Um, but mm-hmm. I didn't quit. And, um, they, after six months, they couldn't ignore me because I said, I'm going to run anyway. So either you're going to help me or I'm going to just do it on my own. And, um, that's kind of how it took off. I, and I, I, you know, and again, like I said, I came, I've come from nothing, you know, my family's from uh, Maryland. 
I got stationed out here almost 10 years ago. My husband's a police officer. And so we just, we were just regular people, no social media. I tell my friends all that, that all the time. It's like, I had no social media. I was totally fine with being, you know, anonymous until, until I go home to see Jesus. But we got into this because of our children and, you know, our community and loving our community. And obviously uh, from a veteran standpoint, being in for, well, and I have been in for 18 years in reserves now, but I was in for 14 years active duty. And there's just so many things that are happening that I just couldn't ignore the call to get involved. Great. So this is um, your second time running. Um, talk a little bit about your first race, um, how close you got to your first race. Um, and then we can kind of do some springboarding off of there. Mm-hmm. So my first race, uh, it was, oh my gosh, it, I'm, I'm trying to think, how do I begin with this? Um, so I, I think people see the glitz and glamour of races, especially now that mm-hmm. my experience is like, whoa, like I was on dirt roads going to, like I said, going to meet people at wherever they were, you know, um, people's houses and, um, you know, late nights, fundraising. I mean, going three hours away. Some of my, some areas of my district are literally three hours away. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I like to educate people on is that in order for you to make a difference in your community, and if you are Republican, you want to see changes that you have to get involved in your local central committee. there's a vetting process. Uh, in the primary, for example, I had to, I was, there was other, there were other Republicans, but when it came down to the very, you know, very end of it, I, there was just me and another gentleman in the primary. This is last cycle. And um, we had to go up for a, we, all of us had to go up for a vote. He and I had to go up for a vote with each central committee. And this committee consists of, could be five people, could be 10 people. Um, you have a, what some you have a chair, a vice chair, you have all your committee members represented, and they have to vote to say to to say if you're going to be able to get a um, endorsement from the state. And so here, well, this is in California. I can't speak for other states. If you get eighty uh, percent of your district, then you get the state endorsement. And this is something where again, if you're involved, then you are essentially helping to pick the candidate, the best candidate to go forward. Um, I went through a hellish process because I did not have, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of money. And so um, while I had support, you know, from grassroots, you know, this other guy had like $500,000. He had all this, you know, social media following all of that. And so there was a lot of tension because they looked at it as like, oh, well, she doesn't have the money. Then there were some people that thought that because she didn't have the money, then I wouldn't be able to advance and, and get close to care. Well, um, my endorsement did not make the cut to be able to be on any of the paperwork, or excuse me, not paperwork, but mail that goes out to the state, um, throughout the state to all Republicans. And so I missed that cutoff, but we still won the primary almost two times the vote, even though he put out like six mailers. And how, why that is so significant is because I put in so much work the whole year prior to him coming in on the back end. And so a lot of people think that everything, while you need money, money is so desperately needed in races. It's not a hundred percent everything, um, all the time. 
Um, because I'm t- I'll tell you right now, like in order for me to win against Garamini, I'm going to need another, I'm going to need a million dollars. But, um, for, for my first run, my first primary, I beat a guy that had half a million dollars to my $50,000. And, um, and it was, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because, you know, you're, you're base you're availing yourself to people that don't know you. You're telling your whole life to people that could probably care less and just want to know what you're, what you're going to do for them. And, you know, you're putting your family out there, all those things. And this is not like a what was me. It's just like these are things you have to work through mentally. And then on top of that, you got to raise the money, all these pressures um, from people that you need their uh, endorsement from. I will tell you that the one person that did not give me any drama for their endorsement was Kevin Kiley. He endorsed me the first time I met him. He did not hesitate. He has been behind me since day one. Um now, in the in the last election, moving to this one, I only had a few team members and people that took no pay to help me when you could really, I mean, races can cost, the races cost a lot of money. And there, I have not known anyone to, any candidate to have people work for free. And I just was very, very fortunate, very blessed to have that. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, when it came down to the general election, it was really, really, really close. As you talked about before, I received 45.3% of the vote. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't win, but that was the closest anyone's ever gotten in almost a decade. But the pro- with everything that's happening with elections, you know, people automatically assumed that it was because of fraud. But we did hand count. You know, every county did a hand count. And these are things that I wish that more people would talk about so they would so that people have a better understanding like everything is not election fraud. Um, I just did not have enough money. I literally every person we were able to touch financially, like through mail, um, peer to peer, door to door, those kinds of things, like phone calls, uh, we touched oh close to oh, over like one hundred fifty thousand people. Um, and we got less than 2% no's when the data came back. Now, can you imagine if we had another $100,000 to be able to send mail, make phone calls, do the door-to-door? We've been able to capture those 30,000 people if we only have a you know 2% rate coming back saying no. Um, so that's what, you know, so 2020 was such a great learning experience. You know, I, I realized like, you know, this district is only 29% registered Republicans. And I took a chunk of Democrats and a chunk of independents. And one thing I always tell people, and you know, I've talked about this before, it's just like, people just want reasonable people. I never changed my stances. I never cowered to any woke messaging or anything like that. It was literally just talking about the issues that bother us all, you know, like keeping us late up late at night, how, how take care of our families, you know, taxes, those just simple issues are the things that I discuss. And I got so many people to just come on my side. And also I'm a new face. And, you know, this is a district that has um, two military bases, a military, you know, law enforcement support, farmers. I was raised by farmers uh, who are also veterans. And so I, I really, um, I, I literally, and it's not like, you know, I didn't know any of these things when I first got in. I just was like, I'm going to run, but I fit the district. so. There were um, there was a lot of things that just made people feel comfortable with uh, supporting me. Um, now we've gone from a staff of like three to a staff of a staff of ten. Um, again, still people making sacrifices to support this race. 
uh, a great consultant, great chiefs, you know, people that have been in this thing for 15, 20 years um, that are doing this because they really believe that I can win. And, um, you know, we, and now, and hold up, I do want to say this one thing. Last cycle, we raised $400,000. And then just last, uh, the last quarter, quarter two ended on uh, June 30th, and we raised $100,000 just in one quarter. So people are energetically ready to do this. And so I spend about 30 hours on the phone every week. We have a great fundraiser. All the things I didn't have last time, I have this time. Because we didn't have a fundraiser. We didn't have, you know, certain programs. We didn't do digital. Because all that stuff costs money. Um, but now we're able to do that. Great. So that's kind of like so what just a, a quick question. Was the guy you were facing more of like an establishment guy? Like he was already an insider and you were coming in as an outsider in the primary? So he... It's a couple of things. So he was not from this district at all. He never lived here. He didn't have any ties here. He was from a church that was it that was like three hours away. Mm. So his inside was the church party had you know ties politically, and so that was his in. Um, he tried to market himself as an outsider, but and he was because he didn't live here. But um, but he he was a he just wasn't the right fit for the district is what I'll say. Okay. Um, so I think this is a good point to springboard into a good topic that is important to talk about. The one that I always respect your insight that I, I hear from you um, about how it is to make inroads as a Republican in California, because I, we've gone back and forth about how it's really it's more about touching the voters, the issues that matter to them, getting that message to them. And they may just say, well, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I just want these issues taken care of. Mm -hmm. So what are some things you've learned in your last race and so far that you've made so much headway um, that is that are good lessons for maybe other California Republicans to hear and, and take with them out there when they're racing? Yeah, when they're raised. So one of the things is I don't make people feel small for wanting to be a Democrat or, um, or independent. You know, people don't, people, like a lot of Democrats that I've come across are Democrats because of social standpoint. They're socially, that social justice is important to them. And social justice means different things to different, you know, to people. It's not all, it's not all book stuff. It's like the death penalty or, you know, um, uh, them feeling like there is institutional racism or systemic racism, those kinds of things, like, or feeling like there's injustice in just the minority communities. And that, that's what they care about. That's a single issue. And that that's what their focus is. But for the other thing is that, um, I don't, I did not, I did not ride Trump's coattails. I just mm -hmm. stuck to being a fundamental, reasonable Republican. And I was, I've been in the Air Force for 18 years and I've served, I've served under four, no, three presidents. Yeah, three presidents. And we respect them all, you know? And I just never was like, I, I look at him, he's a man, right? And one of the things that is uh, so striking here in California is that, um, and this is something I tell people all the time, is that you have to let candidates be who they are because every candidate, uh, not every candidate's message is going to be right for each district or each community or whatever. 
And so mm-hmm. what I would say is that when in California, you, we love Trump all day long, but does that, is that going to trans, is that going to be a message that can go to my district? No, just not. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to stick to the person that's in front of you because I've met, I've met Republicans in my 30 hours every week. I kid you not. Um, that could, could care less about Trump that wish, you know, they're just like, I'm Republican, but I'll vote Democrat just because of him. And it's like, that's a hard thing for people to hear. Um, it's hard for me to hear. Cause I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, but you know, I, and so what I did was that instead of me trying to focus on him, because that's something that comes up a lot because of the news, I literally just focused on me. I said, look, I'm going to be here beyond whoever's president. We respect that president. I'm not going to talk trash about a president, even, you know, in regards to how I feel. And we're just going to focus on the fact that I'm going to be here beyond that. And, and if you don't agree with me on a hundred percent of the things, then agree with me on 60, agree with me on half. And then the other thing is I also say is like, is your life any better? Is, and our lives are not any better here in California in the past 10 years. And so I just stick to like the really hard, just going straight for the heart and just saying like, is your life any better? What can we do to make make a difference? Okay, you don't like this person or you don't like this policy, but you like five other things, you know, and you like me. So then just take a chance because it's only two years. And so I just go with that and I don't give up. And when I talk to some Democrats on the phone, I've had people hang up on me and I call them back. I actually had two people hang up on me and I called them back. And they said they're going to vote for me just because I called them back. You know, like that, there are people that want to know that someone's going to fight for their vote. And um, we're so much more um, on the same page than we are apart. And I think that's the part that's missing. And people feel like everybody's unreasonable on each side. So anyway, I don't want to be long winded, but I just really feel like there's so many different things that uh, that can be done. But the biggest thing is to just be you. Don't don't get caught up in those small things and um, and don't make people feel small. You know, it's just people have the different reasons why they are the way they are. But we just want to vote. We want to win. So just focus on that. Yeah, yeah, that's always something like I feel when you it's always tough getting past that initial pushback of, oh, geez, you're Republican. Okay, you must be a Trumper or you must be a MAGA person or something like that. But it's almost like you have to get past that initial cognitive dissonance of I don't want to agree with you and then you get to the other side of it where they say okay well I kind of like some of your you know we agree on some of these things I think there's a lot of things so I think Republicans need to get better at focusing in on those aspects that the kitchen table politics like we were saying before Mm -hmm. focusing on those kitchen table politics and kind of push all that other drama out of the way Mm -hmm. um, just because people put up their walls and they get so guarded Especially when it comes to Trump. And I've I've said this before on lives that Trump is, I think he's toxic in California for any Republican. Mm -hmm. Um, I know some people don't like to hear that, but it's true. I think Trump Mm -hmm. is toxic. And I think it's better to just focus on the real issues, the kitchen table issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So speaking of issues, uh, going back to your current race right now, Mm -hmm. what are some issues that you want to focus on when you get to Congress? And also, I think maybe for the listeners, describe your duties as a congresswoman as compared to a state legislature, like a state assemblyman or state senator. And like, what's your focus as a congresswoman 
rather than mm-hmm. here in the state capital? Oh, that's a good question. So, um, so first, first policies, uh, water is a huge issue, which you already know we're in a drought. Uh, water storage has been something that has been asked for, for a couple of decades here in this, in this part of the district. Um, and Garamendi, my opponent has said over the past 50 years that that's something that they're going to be pressing and working towards. But I mean, just even last year when he was running against me, he said, oh, we're going to have it in 18 months. It has been 18 months and we still don't have water storage here in District 3. Um, the other thing is school choice. I'm a big, big, big fan of school choice. I think that children should go to any school that they want to go to. I think that we should be having competition when it comes to teachers. Um, just like any other thing, any other, uh, any other thing. They're getting our taxpayer dollars and they should be doing um Way more than what's, what's happening right now. Uh, as you know, it's District 3. Well, not as you know, because I, you don't know my district very, very well. But District 3 is in need of better schools and more opportunities. And we don't have that right now. Um, private schools are booming. And uh, people are looking for those homeschool options as well. And I know people on long wait lists are trying to just get into those things. Um I, my husband being in law enforcement, one of the things I do want to talk about when I get to Congress and even obviously before is police reform. I do believe that there are some things that we do need to change and we need to, you know, we need to work on. And um, I think that that shouldn't be a scary topic for anybody to discuss um, because we want to have good community relations with our police officers. And my husband, you know, he's he's been doing this for 10 Oh, I think we got. Sorry about that. There we go. No sorry. problem. Um, so police reform is something that I want to talk about. I think that we, as Republicans, could have hit harder on it last year, especially when the Democrats shelved it. Um, and look at crime has skyrocketed, and then our police officers, our police, have been defunded in some areas, and now they're being refunded. And I think it's just a good opportunity for Republicans to hit on these things that I feel like man, like, what are they doing? You know, I feel like there's no message. I feel like we don't show a backbone and we're just scared. And well, I say, I'm not scared, but as far as from a leadership top down, it's like, what's happening? Um, I, and you know, and I also caution saying that because I wouldn't want to be in Kevin McCarthy's shoes at all because he's trying to do a lot, a, a lot of balancing that I cannot even imagine, um, right now. But the biggest thing is, you know, the water storage here is is critical. It's critical not just for Northern California, but all of California. Um, veteran issues are a huge topic for me, obviously, uh, because we have the highest homeless population here in California, um, and it shouldn't be so. It's it's it just shouldn't be like that. Um, and obviously, with COVID um, hitting us so you know dramatically here, you know we need to be able to find these people and to be able to help them. Um, so. And obviously, like I said before, we got cut off police reform and school choice. So those are like those main issues that I think that affect us uh, deeply here in District 3. And I know affect us deeply here in District 3 because those are the things that people come to me and talk to me about all the time. Um, when it comes to the Senate, state, state legislative work versus Congress, I'm allocating for us to get money. I'm allocating for us to 
make sure that the district gets as much money as it needs in order for it to run smoothly. I think, you know, and it's so funny because, you know, there's some people that think like, you know, if I'm in Congress that I have like this huge effect on state politics and I, and I can help influence by, you know, endorsing people or giving money to candidates, those kinds of things, um, and then weighed in on certain issues. Uh, but the biggest thing is making sure that we vote the right way so that, um, like, for example, having a school choice policy, making that a federal thing, that's something that could help all of California. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I and I think that sometimes people get caught up in wanting to, like, thinking you're going to, like, can do something locally. It's like, I wish I could, but I can't. <laughs> You know, I can't wave a wand, but, but, um, again, that's why people need to get involved in the Republican party locally. Yeah. I think that a lot of it gets lost in, um, this idea of like somebody says, it's very evident you're, you, you understand your role as a Congresswoman and the issues you can face or what, what impact you have, as opposed to people say, well, I have to vote for this Congressperson because they're going to change state politics. In reality, it's if you want to see stuff change, such as the gas tax or other issues um, here in California, it's not your congressperson. It's who's up in Sacramento. May have lost her again. Uh, I feel so bad, Phil. I feel so bad. I'm the six. I'm going to blame it on the six. I need 5G. Yeah, a, I need all the towers. That's it. But um, that's all right. We can blame it on like Zuckerberg the, or somebody. Think- I think this would be a good time. If you have any questions for Tamika, just put them in the chat. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, put them in the chat. I just want to say that. Let's get some questions busted out before I go out again. Yeah. Uh, but you were saying a thought about your final thought about. Uh, state legislators and state local politicians and how they have, if you want to change things locally in California, we have to start focusing on flipping a lot of those seats here in California. Oh my gosh. And all it takes is, is people getting involved. I mean, look what, look what was able to be done just with the recall alone. Can you imagine if that body, if those, if that same effort was put into local politics, that would be tremendous. Not not saying you got to recall every everything because everybody's everybody's recall happy. Trust me, even here. But because I, I and I don't think I don't think every recall is necessary. I'm gonna just be honest. Like if you don't like something, you need to get involved. Do I think every time you don't like something, you should be recalling them? It just depends on the situation. But um, because it it's it, anyway, that's a whole other topic. But I think that uh, if people just got involved in the same level they did with this governor's race, then we will be so, we be such a different place, such a different place. So. Absolutely. So let's hop into somebody got a question up in the chat. Um, I think you touched upon this, but if you want to chat a little bit more, how can conservatives yeah. improve the messaging to Californians to show how corrupt our state government has gotten? Hmm. So again, this goes back to how well you know your neighbors. This goes back to how, because here's the thing: you're we're we're four, we're roughly like five million Republicans here in California, five million independents, and nine million Democrats. And it didn't just happen overnight. Like none of this stuff happened overnight. So we have to talk to our neighbors, 
and we and that's where it all like literally that's where it begins like that's how I got into this I was talking to some friends and we were just like talking about the issues if people don't if Democrats don't see a Republican in their community they do not they their mindset is about community their mindset is about someone came and talked to me someone gave me a piece of paper with this information or somebody helped me from the party that is their bread and butter that is the average voter of a Dem- that's the average democrat voter if they don't see you 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 don't care um and that and, and i mean you already know that they already look at us like like oh we're high above and we have all this money and you know we're we don't care and we're cold so we have to get involved and it's, I say, I, I, mean, I don't want to be a dead horse, but to answer that person's question, how much you, you can't go into a neighborhood you've never been into and say that, look what they've done. You got to say, have you thought about this person? Have you considered this person? Um, because when you do that, then you're also accusing them of picking a terrible person and nobody wants to, in nine times out of 10, no one's going to want to hear that. They're going to want to hear what are my options? Because yeah. when you do a side by side comparison or bring something something new, and then on top of that, you're forming a relationship. That's how things. That's how change is being made. That's how change can be made. Because we did it here. Yeah. One thing I think is also important is going off your get involved in the community is get involved in communities that are not politically aligned with you. Um, yes. I think that's, that's I mean. important. Mm-hmm. That's what. For example, the church I go to, very progressive. Um, sometimes they let the their Trump bias creep into some of their sermons. But for the most part, they're great people. They've been like mm-hmm. a great church family to me. I love going there. I love playing music with them. Um, but I think just being around people who disagree with you and then saying like, hey, you know, that Phil guy is not a bad guy. So maybe not all Republicans are like this, or maybe not all conservatives are like this. Right. Um, sometimes I think we get too focused on being in our silos and our echo chambers, or we just don't even want to be a part of it. In California, that's the worst idea. We should be getting out there, yeah. being involved in communities and being like, Oh, you know, this guy's not such a bad person. Or, you know, I, I think I like this Tamika Hamilton. She's got some good points about how to make our state right. better. So And the the other thing is purity tests. Like, stop trying to make people pass a purity test. You know, just Republicans do that a lot. And they wonder why they lose people to going back to, and they go to the independent, you know, party. You can't do that. You know, while we don't have to always agree, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, um, it's a losing battle to want people to jump through these hoops to make sure you 100% agree on everything. And I think that, and I've faced that. Um, mm-hmm. because I, I try to look at both sides and obviously I lean conservative, you know, strong conservative, but I also think that it's important to understand why someone on the other side thinks the way they think so that when I'm coming back for a vote, I can, I can lean into that. Like, I know why you yeah. think this way, but guess what? This isn't a better option. So that's yeah. just my thought. Absolutely. Um, so I got a bunch of questions on Instagram. If you'd like to go through a couple of them that I've picked out, uh, let's see. First one would love to know. And just a disclaimer, this is not an endorsement question. Who, who do you like for the recall? And they said, tell her she's amazing, by the way. 
Oh, that's so sweet. Um, I don't like anybody for the recall yet. I think it's early. Anything could happen between now and September. And I think we should wait. I think the main thing we should focus on is making sure people know that we can recall Gavin Newsom. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think the recall was going to happen. I didn't. Um, but it, it happened. Um, and I think that we could recall him. I just don't know who could be, be his replacement right now. Okay. There's still a lot of people that could jump in. There, There is, and there's, you know, two months seems like a short time, but in political world, it could be a lifetime. What happens yeah, in two months? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, somebody asked, how do you respond when people try to conflate January 6th slash racism with all Republicans? I always go to either I don't say anything and I just look because <laughs> that usually stops people in their tracks. I'll be mm. honest with you. I was looking like, really, today? You, you Really, that's what you want to do? Or I also talk about what happened over the summer. What mm. happened over the summer? We businesses were looted. People lost everything. And that was not just black people, not just white people. It was people lost everything. It wasn't Republican, Democrat. People lost everything. And January 6th was not the worst thing that ever happened in history. I don't even want to hear it. It's nonsense. It happened. It's over. And I'm not going to get caught in this, in this, uh, I'm not going to get caught up like how the news wants to put us in this, um, in this trap so they can continue to make money off of it because they have nothing else better to talk about. And I tell people all the time, it's like, it's ignorant to just even argue with people about January 6th because they have already, when they ask you the question, they already have a made up mind. That's how I look at it. And so mm-hmm. I think it's best to just say we've moved on. It happened. I wish it didn't happen. Um, and, you know, I think that moving forward, if we want to talk about January 6th in any capacity, we should be also talking about what happened over the summer. But if you don't want to talk about what happened over the summer and how people lost livelihoods, then I don't want to talk about January 6th because I don't see yeah. anybody getting yeah. locked up from over the summer. I don't see any investigations there. So I don't want to talk about January 6th. And I think that more Republicans should just get up from the camera when they're being taunted by the media to say things about January 6th. Because it's just a, it's just a ratings thing. It's, they don't care. Sorry. Just, yeah. I, just, yeah. I, just, I just think about like all the people that lost so much that they'll never be able to get back and lost livelihoods because they didn't have insurance. They're just trying to make it. And even people that the Democrats claim they care about immigrants lost things that they'll never be able to get back. And January 6th is like a topic of discussion. No, it's not. Not from a media standpoint. I think it's a mute point. Yeah. It's definitely one of those. 2020 is an interesting political alignment. Um, between, Especially here in California, I feel like between COVID and what happened over the summer um, here in San Diego, a uh, mm-hmm. bank was burned down from, at one of the protests. Um, you know, there were businesses here that were, uh, it's just, I think there was an interesting political realignment of a lot of people who were comfortable may all Mm -hmm. of a sudden have watched what's going on in the news between the lockdowns with Newsom and the riots and said, wait, what's going on here? And Mm -hmm. there, there's this opportunity, like you've been saying to tell people, Hey, there's a good option out there. 
there's a, another option out there yeah. that if you're not happy with the way things are, and I think this is a critical time if you're looking at political realignments for yes. the Republicans and the GOP, especially California GOP, to kind of jump at this opportunity because it may not happen again for another 20, 30 years. So it, this is yeah. really critical. And the Democrats do this all the time. They take advantage of a situation and they run with it. I mean, now they're trying to pep, now they're trying to, you know, bring back the the rhetoric to defund the police and try to blame it on us, you know, so they, they, they see, they, they seized on it and now they're trying to reel mm-hmm. it back, you know? So the Republicans need to take it. I don't want to say take advantage. Cause it sounds like it's just a sound right. But when they see an issue happening that is hurting American people, they need to push it. School choice is something that all families want, even if they don't yeah. even know that it exists. You know what I mean? Like there's some people that didn't, don't know that these opportunities are, are are open and Republicans, I feel like are fumbling. So, but yeah. Okay. We can go to the next question. Cause I could just go. We, on we can have a whole other podcast about yeah, that. Like all about that. that. <laughs> a whole different, uh, let's see. Got a whole bunch of them here. Uh, what are you going to do to help veterans where the state has failed? Hashtag Semper Fidelis. So, my thing is that we're not rolling our sleeves up and getting dirty. Um, meaning that there are so many groups that need to be kind of ignited in a sense. Like there's, you know, local chapters of veteran groups that just need some support so they can do things that they would love to do to help veterans. And I think that we need, again, this is all about community involvement and I'm only one person, but I want to push um, all these people to the forefront so that they can have all the things they need. There used to be a stand down. Um, for example, this is a, a stand down. I don't know if you've seen those when you're were in Stockton, but they were they stopped it during COVID here, for instance. And all the military that knew about it or could be contacted, communicated with, they will come to the stand down, get medical stuff updated, and you know, get shot. They'd be taken care of for a matter of days, like three or four days, something like that. Um, I, I volunteered one time for it. And that's something that needs to be done on a larger scale and something that that's something that's really important to me because I go to veterans homes and I realize like, wow, like some of these people have been abandoned. And if people in nursing homes, veteran nursing homes are abandoned, can you imagine how the people that just regular people feel that are here in California struggling, you know? So anyway, my thing was like to push groups on the forefront that already wanted to do things to help veterans, but they don't have the means because it costs money, um, but they have a lot of time. You know, there's a lot of retirees that have a lot of time. And the other thing is that when you get out of the military, like I was active duty 14 years and I got out, job placement is so huge when you get out. And I want to make sure that people have job placements. Like they are not getting stuck in this like, um, in this cycle of applications. Like I think veterans should have priorities in certain situations. Um, I'm not saying that they should just, you know, get at any job. I, I've, believe in job training and obviously, you know, doing those things, but you know, when they get out, they should have opportunities waiting for them. And, um, there should be, and when I was, you have to transition out and I don't want to be long winded, but there's so many things that can be done to assist people when they get out so that they're not in a position such as being homeless later on in life. Um, the military, being a military member for this long, I know that there's parts of me that I neglect just because you just bust it out. You just work really hard. But, um, 
I want to change that culture and I want to show veterans that they can take care of themselves. And it's not this thing of like, oh gosh, if I look out for myself, I'm being selfish. And that's where a lot of military members um, can be sometimes mentally. And so uh, biggest thing is supporting local groups and having those stand downs and having them more robust and um, helping for job placement for helping for a faster job placements, you know, people getting on job training, they're not having to go through the huge process. And I think that's important for veterans. Great. Um, next question. Someone asked, is there hope to ever having election integrity? And you touched upon this a little bit, but maybe you want to expand on that because you've mm-hmm. had experience, you know, being out there on the ground. So you can yeah. say a firsthand look of it. So, I think people should go to these meetings because uh, when you go to these Republican meetings or your, your central committee meetings, they talk about election integrity, they talk about what they're doing. Election integrity literally starts locally. It starts with knowing who your voter registrar's office, knowing them, um, getting to know them. You can actually know them. Like you actually have meetings with them. You could actually talk about chain of custody. All these things are, are available to you. I would say, like I said, in my situation, we did the hand counts. I simply didn't win because I didn't have enough votes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my and on the central com- the central committees also because I'm th- there's so many like, little things that can have that you can do. But the central committees, you know, petition to get those hand counts. And if you're on the central committee, there's so many people that you'll meet and um, and so many organizations that you'll get involved in that take you down those trail so you can find out like oh my gosh like there's a there's a pathway for me to understand elections better and it's not something that's like this uh it's not like this like like right now i feel like people feel like there's no hope um but mm-hmm. it's no hope because you're not in the game to know what to what to do it's yeah. really simple get involved yeah. volunteer you can and people say well republicans democrats don't have a job i hear that so many times I, I just like shut off and I'm like, no, no, Democrats actually take the time. And if you, if you look at some states, they actually pay people to count votes. How about you just volunteer? You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's being there in the room counts, being there for chain of custody counts. When they take those votes to different priests, when they pick those votes up, there's actual drivers. You could be a driver. Like it's mm-hmm. a damn job. People need to get involved. I, I, I and I feel like, and the other thing is, and I'll say this and I'll shut up and I'll take the next question, but the just because there are a lot of Republicans in the area does not mean all Republicans vote. Sonoma, and I don't want to misquote, but I think it was 2016, 8,000 Republicans stayed home fill. They did not vote. And they said that when they, when they came back, like, why did it vote? Oh, Trump was just going to win. We didn't need to go out. Or I was busy. These are Republicans. I didn't need, he no. was gonna win anyway. Just because you had just because you know a Republican does not mean that Republican voted. <laughs> you no. know, so it's like uh so that's why it kills me sometimes because like there's so many different scenarios that are about that involve election integrity. Um, but the main thing is for people to get involved. This is not something that you need to be in the dark about. So, okay, I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, and just to add to that, as someone who's volunteered as a Republican attorney here in California, Mm. and I was in Arizona uh, 
in 2020, there's plenty of opportunities. They're always looking for people. So if you want to see, see with yeah. your own eyes and, and be there on the ground and say, mm-hmm. I was there to help protect the vote, there's plenty of opportunities to go to the Republican Party here and say, I want to help with election integrity. Um, and they'll give you a job. So, yeah, they will. It's it, the, the residential committees are they're aging out. They don't have people mm-hmm. our age, you know, our age range. And a lot of them. And so they need that help. And so, I mean, not all central committees are like down south where this robust and you have all these events. Like here, Northern California, they need help. They do. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> What's your next question? Okay. This next question, I, I don't know. I probably should have done a little bit more background. Somebody asked, why is West Point teaching critical race theory? They asked, are we doomed? So I don't know if they actually are teaching critical race theory. I don't know either. Um, but if you want to, maybe touch upon critical race theory and what you would do in Congress with critical race theory. So I don't, I don't think that we should be teaching division at any, at any point in time. Um, and then using a nice little fluffy term called critical race theory, anything like that to, to say, um, all white people are bad or, you know, let's talk about something that happened when we weren't even here. It's just, it, it's a, it's, just literally another way to keep us divided. And I don't believe in it. And it's something that obviously when I get into Congress, I'll be fighting against it. I don't think we're doomed. I don't believe in doom and gloom messaging. And I feel so bad that, and I probably should do more videos or something like that, but you already know how I feel about videos. But um, I just, we are not doomed. Like we're just not doomed. We just, right now, a lot of people thought that Trump was going to win mm-hmm. and he didn't. And, um, and it's gotten people to feel like, well, what's happening. And I think that if we, if I, like I said, 2016, 8,000 people stayed home. It is not the end of the world that Trump is not in the white house right now. This is an opportunity mm-hmm. for us to fight back and fight hard. This is not this. I think that a lot of people, and, I'm, and I can only speak for the people that are new and is trying to understand like their role or what they can do. It's like so many new people are in this and they're just like taking, grabbing headlines that they're not doing the research. And so they feel like this is the end when really we've been in these situations before. But what did we do? We, we, we sat back. Republicans sit back. Collectively, Republicans sit back. You know, yeah. Dennis D'Souza said this this weekend. This is something I talk about all the time. And he said it. He was like, Republicans cannot afford to sit back anymore. This greater good stuff has to stop. Yeah. No, this not. The, and Kamala Harris said this the other day. They're not. Well, not the other day, but she said this last year that they're not going to stop. They're not. So what do we need to do? We need to we need to go and push back. And not this thing where we're just rebuttaling every single thing that they do. No, we need to get in and work. Stacey Abrams, it took her 10 years, but she flipped Georgia. She didn't stop. And mm-hmm. and it's like, I, I, I just, and I'm not getting on the person about, you know, I just think like, man, I hear doom and gloom all the time. And I'm thinking we've been here. Now it's the opportunity to act. So, sorry. No, I, I agree. And I think, uh, 
I always give them credit. I always say that Democrats are always on offense. I feel like Republicans are always on defense. Every mm-hmm. election cycle, we're kind of like, it's like a sigh of relief that Texas didn't turn blue. It's always like, oh, well, we held on to this state for one more cycle. And then it, but the, the margin keeps shrinking and shrinking. And, shrinking. you know, what, whatever your opinion about Stacey Abrams is, she got out there and did it. You know, she registered voters. She was on the ground. Um, supposedly that's what Richard Grinnell wants to do here. I haven't seen it yet, but I'd love if he did the same thing here. Um, it, costs, it costs a lot of money. And that's why volunteers yeah. are needed. It costs so much money. Yeah. So if people want to get involved and, you know, push back or fight back or try and save the state, volunteer. There's plenty of volunteer opportunities to get out there and people always need help. So um, yeah. to give everyone an idea of, of like how long it took to get you on this podcast. I think I asked you like over a year ago uh, (laughs) and I don't know if you remember, but this was probably when I was just a little, little nobody that no one even cared about. I had asked you. (laughs) I just, yeah, well, I was a, I was a little guy that nobody, a couple people tuned into. Um, I asked you for this uh, pamphlet from the 1996 ethnic summit of the California GOP. Yeah, you you had posted about it on did your, your story. Did I send it to you? Did I send it to you? You did. Yeah, you did oh send God. it to me. So because I was I was looking for your email and I found it. I said, "Oh man, this is from like I think it was like October 2020 or something." Um, oh my gosh! At least I'm so glad I sent it. I get so many DMs. But um, the the real the real question I think we can and we can end this end it on this question. Um, this pamphlet basically back in 1996 had gone through how the California GOP was not prepared to really reach out to minority communities here in California. And the paper basically warned it said like, Hey, if you don't pay attention to this and start building a message to bring minorities into the California Republican party, we're going to get clobbered in the future. And it kind of, it's, basically come true now so i don't know if you remember that paper if you have a comment i do i do i do um it is it is like it's if i could frame it i would frame it and this is and i actually got this from one of my mentors again the you know it's it's like it's like you said it's something that's like the writing on the wall is you saw like you the paper literally said it and it did it 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 did exactly what it said it was going to do this the, the mm-hmm. machine system all of that um i want people to understand that when you're wanting to win a race you got to look at numbers and I, but I, I did not i did not know the numbers so i'm gonna be honest with you when i first started i did not know the numbers but now that I know, I know that God, God just has grace on me. But um, you got to know your numbers. And when people say, oh, well, should we just abandon a city? Should we just abandon a city, Phil? No, we're not saying abandon the city. But one candidate in a blue, blue, blue district is not going to be able to turn that district in a year, a, a cycle, two cycles, three cycles. It is going to take a Stacey Abrams type of momentum to do it. It's going to cost a million. You could drop right now. I could drop a million. I mean, not a million, a hundred million dollars into a deep blue city district, excuse me. 
and I would not win. I wouldn't win. Why? Because you cannot change someone's ideology in a cycle. You just can't. It's not even like, it's not up for debate. Um, When you're talking about registration numbers. Now, where, and, and no one that's on the California GOP today is, was there in 1996. Um, so they're trying to make those strides, but it's hard because you need the money. You need the money to do it. I need about $2 million to win my race, you know? Um, and we're well on our way to do that, but it's going to take so much. You know, I can't, I cannot stress enough. Like, and people will say, well, what do you need a million dollars for? Mail alone is hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that's why when people talk about the governor's race, I'm like, unless I get a phone call, you're not real. Unless I start seeing some mail, you're not real. Are you connecting with 4 million Republicans? No, they're not. That's why I say like, and like John Cox, his war chest is insane. And he's sending out mail. He's sending out, he's doing phone calls. I'm not, he's not my, you know, I don't know him. I don't know what he stands for. I know he's a Republican. But I'm just using him as as example because he's the name ID right now, you know, behind Kevin Faulkner and others. But you know, it's it's so it's it's a it's an animal that if people start to start getting involved locally, we would not have this problem. And like you and like you expressed in the letter, maybe we need to post that somewhere. I don't know, maybe post on our website or maybe you could post it somewhere. But it's it's detailing how we lost in Lost Bay and. Slowly, immigrants are thinking like, oh, gosh, we need to get on board and fix this. Because you see what happened in lower parts of Texas this year, the cycle so, so far, or the big, like second half of this year so far. Um, yeah. It's going yeah. to be a long ride for Californians for sure. Yeah, I know. I understand that there's always better places to spend your resources. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I always get this idea of like, if you you could catch Democrats in California off guard, if there's actually an effort in California, and it seems mm-hmm. like there's just there's just no effort. It just seems like they're like it's California, it's kooky and crazy. We're just going to write what, it what off. Do but from, in, what do you mean from a state or federal? From like a, maybe like a national party strategy of like maybe we need to focus on these races and I know they are focusing on some races. I think they're focusing on your race as well. Um, but things could change if we went on offense and kind of followed the Democrat model of like, maybe it's not plausible right now, but in five to 10 years, maybe California could be a purple state if we just pushed a little harder and we're a little bit more strategic. So the one I do agree that we could be, you know, we could get some more money here and be more aggressive. Uh, one of the things that I also think about just from my own situation is viability. You have to have a good candidate. Yeah. You just saying Republican is just not enough. Uh, and that's something that I know, you know, just saying you're Republican is not enough. Saying you're on our side is not enough. Um, mm-hmm. You have to have good people that are willing to take the shot. And right now, um, this, and this is something that I tell people all the time, if you want to get support, 
Give it a second. Oh, okay. here she comes. Here I come. Here I come. All right. Here I come. I won't be long winded, but um, this is something. And it's, this is something that I changed my mind on after I learned, and then and then I'll leave it at this. Is that at the beginning I thought like, oh my gosh, I'm like this great candidate, and you know I got all these things. You know I, I I you know check all these boxes. I had to show I could fight. Mm-hmm. I I had to show that I could put in the work. And now we are a race that is uh, targeted to win next cycle. And it's not as simple as just thinking like this new person is just good. You know, you have, there's so many people that want to jump in races. Like my, I'm the first Republican to ever run against this candidate twice. So you're having people that have raised millions of dollars over, you know, um, the course of time and just ran one time. That's not okay. So it's like, I, you got to stay in mm. this. Oh, look, my baby. So give her a hug. Oh. So I think like the biggest thing is that to understand that when you're running and you want national support, you also have to have the right formula. And that includes a good person that's going to really bust their ass. Excuse me. If it's another family show. And um, I think that's kind of lost in the minds of people because they're just like, oh, just get a Republican there. And it's like, no, it's not that simple. Yeah. I no, agree completely. And I think that I think that's a great place to end on. Um, I wholeheartedly believe you're one of the good ones. And oh, I, I always tell everybody, go follow you, especially right now. Go support Tamika. Um, yeah. It's votetamika.org. If you want to support her and donate to the campaign, spread the word about her, get other people to support her. Um, I always hope more Republican candidates hear your wisdom and it's it's applied. So uh, this was a great conversation. Hopefully we can have you on again sometime. Yes. Anything for you, Phil. Come back. Great. Thanks, Tamika. Uh, so that's it for this show. Uh, as always, Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., Coffee in California Politics. This audio will be out tomorrow. And thanks, everyone, for hopping on. Thanks again, Tamika. Thank you. Uh, Sorry about my service. I'm in the country. And it's like, when is it crazy? That's what makes it even more raw and live, right? (laughs) Right. All right. Well, you guys have a great night. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 